The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took his wife into his home. The Gospel of the Lord Well, as you may have noticed, I'm somewhat without a voice today, but I am confident that if the Lord wants you to hear this word, he will give me the voice to proclaim it. In order to get where we are going today, we have to try to take on the mind of Joseph. Because what he is being asked to do is the same thing that we are asked to do. Different time, different place, different circumstances. Same question. Same answer? Well, we will see. To describe Joseph's state of mind in these few words, quote, being a righteous man, he decided to divorce her quietly. Is like describing your house after falling off a cliff as being in need of some minor remodeling. Can you imagine how Joseph must have felt? Joseph is undoubtedly a good holy man. And I'm not saying that just because he's named after me. God could choose anyone to be the foster father of his son on earth. And from everyone, he chose Joseph of Nazareth, a man who loved God and neighbor, and most especially loved Mary, his betrothed. And yet, in spite of all that he believed about God and about Mary, this news of her being with child leads Joseph, as it would anyone, to only one conclusion. Nowhere in Jewish history had it ever been reported that anyone conceived a child by the Holy Spirit of God. So that was, shall we say, not his first assumption upon hearing the news. Once again, put yourself in Joseph's place. If you were he, if he were your son, brother, or friend. Given that according to Jewish law, 
he could have understandably accused Mary of adultery, and she, as a result, could have been stoned to death. Joseph's response to divorce her quietly, not making the circumstances known, but simply not marrying into this disturbing and confusing situation, was a very righteous thing to do. He could not embrace or disregard what appeared to be grave sin, but at the same time he would not call down judgment upon Mary, but simply withdraw from the marriage. Joseph's merciful decision was in a way a foreshadowing of Jesus' mercy for the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Oh yes, Joseph was definitely the right man to be Jesus' foster dad. But in spite of his unwillingness to expose Mary's apparent sin, he still believed he needed to remove himself from the situation, in part, I believe, because he had the same desire that we all struggle with, the desire to be in control of his life. Because prior to learning of her pregnancy, things had been going pretty well according to plan. Joseph was living the life of a carpenter in a small town, engaged to a truly wonderful woman, a person of faith and inner beauty, consistent with his own. A woman who would make a good Jewish wife and mother for his children. But Mary's pregnancy made him feel not in control. He must have been wrong about her. His faith in her and in God had to have been shaken. So in order to regain control, he had to withdraw from the marriage. It is in this state of mind that the angel appears to him and basically asks him to give up control of his life. Because as out of control as he may have felt to find out that his thought-to-be-virgin bride was expecting a child, how much more so when he learns that not only has Mary conceived through the miraculous intervention of God in their lives, but that the child she carries is in fact the Messiah. Righteous and law-abiding as he was, there was no section of Jewish law that gave direction for being the foster father of God. Now here is this angel appearing in a dream and telling him to give up control of his life, to submit that control to the will of the Most High God, and not only to God, but to God in the form of this infant in Mary's womb. As I reflected on this passage, I realize that so much of the stress in my life down through the years is related to control, more specifically to the things I can't control but so desperately want to. The car in front of me that is driving significantly slower than I feel I need to be at a given moment. Speed up! Turn at the next corner! Pull over! Oh, if only I could control that driver! Or my kids! or my spouse, or my boss, or the government, the stock market, my in-laws, if only I could get them to act the way I want them to act, because I know best. Joseph and his struggle with control are not far from the same struggle we might face when it comes to recognizing Jesus, not as an infant in the manger, but as the full presence of God 
in the Eucharist. A recent poll found that 69% of Catholics don't believe bread and wine are the body and blood of Christ, but that they are only a symbol. Let's be real clear. This is a Catholic church. That statue of the baby in the manger on Christmas morning is a symbol. That host in the tabernacle is the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the flesh. And while you might think a discussion of the Eucharist is better suited to Easter or Corpus Christi than Christmas, it is particularly appropriate now, and I will tell you why. As the chalice is prepared at the offertory, the deacon or priest pours a small amount of water into the chalice filled with wine as he recites quietly a powerful prayer, which says, By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. The water and wine become the blood of Christ, a blood that could not have been shed or shared without the humanity of Christ. It is this birth, this incarnation, that makes our salvation possible. Quite simply, Jesus must become a human so he can die. God cannot die as a spiritual otherworldly supreme being, but only by his humbling himself and taking human form does the sacrifice that saves us become possible. Jesus must have a human life to give a human life, to pay the price, to make the ultimate sacrifice. He first had to take on flesh, make himself vulnerable, mortal, human. At Christmas, we are not simply celebrating his joining us on earth, his communicating directly with us, walking among us, looking at us in the eye, holding our hand, touching and healing, speaking and teaching, wonderful as they would come to be. We are celebrating the first necessary step of Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. His incarnation, his humbling himself to share in our humanity. He came to earth for one reason above all others, to die, to die for us, to die so that we might live, not here, but there, forever with him in heaven. By shedding his blood and sacrificing his body, he did not only make the giving of his body and blood to us in the Eucharist his real presence, but he also made present his sacrifice when we receive it. Let me ask you all a question. How many of us would like to have been at the wedding feast of Cana and tasted the water made wine? How many of us would have liked to have gotten a piece of the multiplied bread when he fed the 5,000? That's okay, let me see your hands. I always thought that would have been really cool to go back in time to be a part of those events. Let me put it another way. 
If we heard that Jesus was going to appear at the county fairgrounds and multiply bread and make wine to feed everyone there, would we go? Oh, you know we would. Not only to the fairgrounds here in Ashland, but many of us would go to Wayne County or Franklin County, and some would go to the fairgrounds in Tibet if we actually believed that miracle would happen there. Funny, isn't it? Many would go back in time or around the world to eat bread and drink wine that was miraculously touched by Jesus, but struggle to get to Mass with the proper disposition to receive the bread and wine that even more miraculously has become Jesus, is Jesus, truly present in the Eucharist. Might I suggest that this Christmas, rather than go back in time to receive the bread and wine that Jesus made, we pray that we experience a deeper conversion of heart and mind that helps us recognize and fully appreciate the real presence of he who made them, his body and blood, soul and divinity, in the form of bread and wine, in the Eucharist we will receive on Christmas and here today. This season, we need to ask God to help us find Jesus, not in the manger, but in the Eucharist, in the sacrifice he came to make, in the body and blood he came to give. This Last Supper miracle is more significant for us than the others because it is the one we can partake in at every Mass if we only have the eyes to see it. It is tied not simply to being fed by, but the sacrifice of this body, the shedding of this blood, whose incarnation we celebrate this week and every Christmas. We celebrate the humanity that opens the door to our eternity, if we are willing to give up control. Because having a fuller appreciation of Jesus' presence in the Eucharist is going to change our lives. It will mean more frequent Mass attendance, not just on Sunday, but any day that we can make it to church. It will mean more frequent confession, and more time spent in Eucharistic adoration. But it's not all about more. There will also be less. Less fear, less anxiety, and less sin. When we see Jesus in the Eucharist the way he wants us to see him there, we won't be able to control our desire to see and be with him as much as we can. We have a Lord that wants to help us believe it, to get it, to internalize it, and change our lives with it. Asking to believe is agreeing to give up control. In giving up control, we are asking God to come into our lives in a new and powerful way. Which brings us back to the question I said Joseph faced at the beginning of this homily.
Are we willing to give control of our lives to God? During this season of waiting, God is waiting expectantly for our answer. For questions or comments on this homily, write to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.